I'm not willing to co-sign a lease or anything though, so don't ask again. I've got I've got good credit and good finances, so kind of fucked up, if you ask me. We'll talk. Like I know you and Kelsey needed that third vacation home, but I don't know. I keep telling yeah, you, yeah, for sure. You're trying to live the Twitch streamer life when you're a YouTuber, and it's just not going to work out. <laughs> yeah, you know, one day maybe I'll reach it. I'll reach that point where um. Or I can call myself a streamer, but until then... Stick with me, kid. You'll, you'll, go, you'll go places. <laughs> but hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tapcalf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast that features both me, Corey, and my co-host, Mr. Justin Eckhart's Ladder. No yeah. last name. The only for now, but who knows? There might be something exciting on the horizon. Well, if if anyone ever decides to ask us onto their podcast, then maybe we'll guest. Maybe we'll even guest mm-hmm. together. Wouldn't that be exciting? That would be exciting. That would be interesting. Or if we ever made a podcast to cover different topics, like I know you want to start that uh, Red Pill podcast. Oh my god! No, I was even just gonna say, like, is it because they're all too embarrassed to be seen with us? And then you say shit like that. Yeah, I'm sorry. So today we are talking about. The High Republic in the first book that has come out in that new era slash series slash multimedia project, Light of the Jedi. Uh, We Mm -hmm. were originally hoping to have some guests for this one, but they actually, uh, both Alex from Star Wars Explained and Mark from the Templin Institute, just messaged us right before to tell us that we are actually embarrassing disgraces uh, and actually just that they're busy. They didn't say Mm -hmm. that. People are going to believe that if I say that. They didn't say that. We're all friends and they, they did say we legitimately have better things to do so maybe next time yeah that that is <laughs> that was the implication of what they were doing but no they they did try to make it work bless them but it, it just it wasn't gonna happen yeah i i um, was really looking forward to that because i think it would have been a good a good discussion but instead mm-hmm. people get to listen to us again yeah and just as a kind of preview of what if you ever listen to their reviews, Alex really loved the book, and Mark couldn't get through it. Yeah, so, he really hated it. And I think both of us kind of fall, uh, yeah, more in the middle. I think we're pretty close on opinion for this one, yeah. based on. Oh, I just knocked over my little Christmas tree. That's that's a little baby Jesus saying, "Put that shit away." It's <laughs> it's January fourteenth. Fourteenth. <laughs> Smarten up, buddy. You got to get the Valentine's tree out. <laughs> Valentine's tree. That's. That's something special between a man and his wife, okay? <laughs> we'll talk about that on stream. <laughs> uh, again, we're embarrassing people, and this is why we're not on any other podcasts. Really, I think it's... Yeah. it's I want to just throw this out there. I think it's entirely your fault. I feel like if it was just me, everything would be a lot more mature and highbrow, but you're the one who always brings up Akbar. Uh, what is it? Laying the nuts to winter? What do you call it? I don't know. Laying pipe? No, isn't that... That's something else. Uh, oh yeah, well, laying pipe and, and putting the nuts too mean the same thing. No, I or thought laying, laying pipe or... was at whatever. Let's... Yeah, no, I'm it's done. all all basically means the same thing. Okay, you giving it giving the old Opa Rancisis, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, Opa Rancisis, one of the most unexpected cameos in this book for me. I didn't think he. I knew he was old. I didn't think he was that old. So uh, yeah, we yeah. Do you want to maybe outline for everyone what High Republic or the High Republic is? Sure. So the High Republic is basically the newest Star Wars multimedia project. It was 
first called Project Luminous. That was like its its code name. We were all trying to figure out what it was. Um, I thought it would be like a new version of the Xbox Connect because wasn't that something similar originally? What was that uh, code name? Uh, it, that does sound right. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But yeah, instead but, uh, we got Star Wars stuff. Yeah, yeah, instead we got Star Wars stuff, kind of lame, but but yeah, it's it's. Basically, a new era. It takes place, what, like, between 250 and 150 years, I think, before episode one. Um, I forget exactly when this book is set. It might be 250 BBY. Um, do you know the exact date? Uh, I am looking it up. It doesn't really matter. Um, it's it's an era of optimism. It's like the, the zenith of the Republic and the Jedi Order, and uh, everything is pretty epic. But of course, there's new emerging threats, and this will be kind of like a big multimedia project. So we're in phase one of the High Republic now, um, with Light of the Jedi, the book that we're discussing today. And there are also, there's a, a young adult book, and there's a comic. And then I think phase one's going to last all the way until 2022 or 2023. Yeah, and um, this is, it's set 232 BBY for this book. 232, so 200 okay. years before, about. about yeah, that. 200 before episode one um yeah. and some of this is actually going to go up as late as like right before the prequels i think so we uh mm. i think it's dark acolyte or acolyte that's going to be the uh the one of the later period things so we might get live action cities or plagueis in that maybe mm-hmm. maybe i yeah i would expect um, it's like 40 to 50 years before episode one mm-hmm. and that's kind of a, an interesting point to start our conversation is there any news or anything you want to talk about before we dive deep into this or uh yeah so there's a pretty big bit of news that came out yesterday that i think both of us are or not yesterday two days ago now, oh I think, yeah that i think we're both pretty excited for and that is that ea is no longer the exclusive publisher of star wars games lucasfilm games has expanded into uh being the active licensor for everything so mm-hmm. they're going to be working with other publishers we've already got a ubisoft announcement uh we're mm-hmm. massive is going to be making an open world Star Wars game. We don't really have much information on that beyond that it could exists. Could be shit. It could be uh, shit. It, it could be. That is definitely possible. And I'm <laughs> glad you're here you to bring know. us all back down. No, I, I <laughs> just reminding everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, but we are. It does seem like we are going to get a lot more Star Wars games, and this doesn't mean that EA mm-hmm. isn't making Star Wars games anymore. Uh, yeah. Just that other people are going to be as well. Uh, and it seems like EA was already starting to make more themselves. So. Mm. Between like Fallen Order 2 and the next five sequels of Squadrons that I hope are coming out, uh, <laughs> we should probably get, hopefully over the next two or three years, because it'll take some time for stuff to ramp up, uh, but mm-hmm. hopefully we'll start seeing a couple games come out per year and we'll have a lot of fun Star Wars experiences. Yeah, so they can start, I, I think the contract actually ends in 2023, so yeah. at that point the exclusivity will be gone. Um so I can make my Avar Chris uh, Elzar Man uh, romance simulator, and I'm sure Lucasfilm and Disney will be totally for that. And yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's good because I mentioned this in a video that I put out, but it, it kind of felt like EA when they were only putting out one game every couple of years. Like they were trying to make games, at least before Squadrons, that like everybody would like. That's why like. Star Wars Battlefront 2 was just like a mess of different ideas and not very focused, and I think it suffered because of that. So hopefully now, with probably a lot more games coming out, we'll get some more kind of niche games, we'll get some 
some ones that could wouldn't have been made if there were only going to be one or two games a year. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And like before, technically, any game development company could have gone to EA because EA was just acting as the publisher, uh, mm-hmm. or EA was exclusively the publisher. But yeah. uh, now companies can go to people who aren't EA and see if they want to publish mm-hmm. anything. So um, yeah, I mean, Lucasfilm at some point too could also start publishing their own if they really wanted to. Yeah, um, that's not impossible. They do have. They were doing the mobile side already. Mm-hmm. So that's true. If they were to expand that a bit more, then. Uh, that'd be possible. They still have some of the infrastructure from LucasArts there. Uh, mm-hmm. They were they act as the publisher for like the Empire War Pack patches, uh, one of oh, which just came out today. So, I didn't know that. Uh, like it, it's it a very bare bones thing. Like the press release? No, I don't, I don't even know if there was a press release. It was like the thing I linked to you where it was just Ted posting mm-hmm. in a, a page sixty of a message board. That is the <laughs> hey only... boys, we got her out. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the only real announcement that I saw. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's not impossible that we start seeing Disney publish it. And considering it's Disney, it wouldn't surprise me if they started going that direction. But it also seems like that would be an amount of overhead that they don't necessarily want because mm-hmm. setting up all that yeah. for. It's a uh, lot of infrastructure. Yeah, and then there's more pressure to have however many projects all at once, whereas now mm-hmm. if there's downtime, it just means that they're not contracting out a publisher and developer, and a developer instead of having this behemoth that they have to keep active. So It's also one less mouth to feed, though, in the process of everyone getting paid, so yeah. that might be attractive. We'll see, though. It's it's pretty early to, uh, to, to guess about that, but it's exciting and... Things are coming up Star Wars recently with TV shows and the High Republic and this, so yeah, in like, a good few months. Yeah, in my opinion, this is better than the arrangement that used to exist under LucasArts because oh, it yeah. used to be just that LucasArts was EA uh, mm-hmm. or was in the position of EA, and now there's less worry about like if LucasArts was struggling for a while and we lost out on a lot of good Star Wars or mm-hmm. Who knows if they would have been good, but we lost out of a lot of games that I was looking forward to uh, that in my mind were good, but now mm-hmm. that isn't quite the same concern. So, yeah. No, this is like best case scenario in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, because EA was making good games, I think, especially Fallen Order and Squadrons. They get to keep doing what they're doing, so it's like no loss there unless they decide the... I mean, it's, it is possible that EA is going to can some ideas they have because they see their their profits as lower um but hopefully all the plans they have continue and we get some new ones so yeah it's a best of best of both worlds really mm-hmm. was there anything else that's been announced over the last few days or that you want to touch on yeah so before the stream my dog just threw up uh right under my desk and it uh it, it stinks it really does stink and you're gonna be here for the whole podcast and we're gonna be doing uh, some Fall Guys and Birio Kart after this, so yep. yeah, uh, yeah, that's how it really just stinks, and I'm not impressed, Remy. Okay, she knows what she did. Is she in the office with you? No, she's out in the rec room. Okay, okay, I I wouldn't I wouldn't yell if she were that close. I'd make her feel bad. <laughs> so you're just faking it for for the podcast? No, because the door is open. Like I wanted her to hear it, but I didn't want her to like be right next to me and feel like I'm yelling at her. You know what I mean? You wanted her to feel like you were yelling from afar. Yeah, exactly. Or give the uh, the impression that it's that it's not really about her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, 
do we jump into Light of the Jedi directly, or do we open a beer first? Uh, well, I just made that decision for me. I think that's a personal thing. you got to figure out for yourself. And I think that brings us to a good point here with uh, with Elzar, uh, Elzar Mann, and uh, how he sees the form. <laughs> so one of the first things I think that I want to talk about with the book is that, or maybe do you want to give your general impression first? Yeah. Um, yeah, general impression. This is a tough one because there were points of this book that I quite liked, and I thought generally the book was Compared to something like Aftermath, which was like another book that started off kind of a new era of Star Wars, I thought the book was well written, but uh, I don't know. I liked it. I really liked parts. I really disliked parts. It wasn't bad. I was hoping for more, though. I'm not going to lie. And like, I think my main problem, and I, I think before I started getting really into it. You mentioned that it kind of reminded me of, or kind of reminded you of Darth Bane. Yeah. And I understand what you mean by that in that the book is a lot of tell, don't show when it comes to characters. So like it spends a lot of time telling about how the Jedi, like all the Jedi are, are flawless. Um, you know, that one family that the Nihil steal are flawless. Uh, the Nihil themselves are really grungy, evil aliens. So it was a bit, on the nose, I guess, even for Star Wars standards. So I um, I think that's a, a good topic for us to get into. I kind of disagree. Like, I know what you're saying, and mm-hmm. I I think part of that was intentional, and mm-hmm. that that's going to be something that we get into more uh, as the series goes on, uh, mm-hmm. I hope. Because I could see it going either way, where it is actually taken at face value, and all these people are that. Uh, but I could also see that as being uh set up for how they're sort of perceiving themselves in this yeah. leads into the fall that's obvious that that kind of inevitably yeah. comes with that we even see a bit of that within the book mm-hmm. no i i think you're right about that it is setting them up to like as these gods because it's gonna it's gonna tear them down um it's just I, I guess it's more of an issue with the nihil than the jedi for me where it's like they're evil to the point or they're just bad to the point where like there's no like I don't know. There's there's not a lot of logic, I guess, in there for me, or a lot of reasoning. I, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to explain, I guess. Yeah, I I, I think, don't mind like the general optimism because like it is a very optimistic book. It's the whole idea is that the Republic is in its glory years. There's the saying where all the Republic basically all for one and one for all, um, and that. It's kind of nice, especially because we do know everything is going to go to shit eventually. Yeah, like, my general impression was that it's, like, especially in the first half, it felt very just action-heavy, kind of shallow, Mm -hmm. like Bane. And I do think that it's definitely more shallow than uh, some of what we've seen in some other places, like, uh, just staying within canon. uh, Alphabet Squadron, I think, is Mm -hmm. kind of the gold standard for that right now, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even something like uh, Star Wars colon Thrawn colon Ascendancy colon Chaos colon Rising, mm-hmm. uh, where like yeah it's very these are the good guys these are the bad guys I hope to see that a bit more deconstructed as we go on, uh, but there is still the idea that like yes it is supposed to be this is the height of everything everyone's doing pretty well, uh, but I, I do hope that gets examined a bit more, uh, without really undercutting the 
general idea of like no this is actually not a terrible time for them to be alive uh Mm -hmm. but the first half of the book there were parts where i was like in and out of it but i feel like the second half of the book i got a lot more into it uh Hmm. it's interesting i was the opposite i thought the i enjoyed the disaster bit of the beginning and then i think i was less interested afterwards and i i feel like the book could have slowed down a little bit maybe like it would have been nice to see more of what the republic's like because it is this new era and we don't spend time away from jedi there's that one guy the technician but we don't really get a whole lot from his angle um i'm just thinking of like how fate of the jedi did it where there is lots of time spent like among the regular populace even though there is this much larger story with the jedi going on Mm -hmm. i would have liked something like that and i would have liked you know there to be more of a Coruscant character rather than just uh, Chancellor So, who was interesting, but yeah. And I mean, that's I'm sure that's all going to come. This just stood as the introduction, but I, I thought the disaster was a really interesting way to start the book, and I like that it wasn't you know two chapters and done. It was like they really kind of I think give it the uh, the time it deserved, considering it's going to be this big thing. Yeah, well, I think part of what hurt the first half for me uh, is one of the issues I found with the book, just there being too many characters. And I know that we're going to get to know a lot of these people over the course of more books, Uh, but Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't have minded having it be maybe two books introducing half of them almost doing different stuff, because it was a lot of names to get to know, so I just started forgetting who was doing what. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's some that I know right now, but there are also some that I couldn't tell you their name. And then some of them mm-hmm. even died after that point, like Bell and Loden. I kind of had down off. Yeah, same with me. Start. I got to I kind of figured out the Admiral whose name I've now forgotten and mm-hmm. uh, Chris's names. I had them figured yeah, out. Chris, yeah. But the Jedi Council member uh, who was uh we're gonna immediately get into spoilers here so mm-hmm. i don't think we've really spoiled anything so far but i'm about to no, spoil really. something so leave if you haven't watched or read the book yet and mean and are concerned about spoilers but the jedi council member who dies in the last bit of the battle mm. uh i she was pretty much there the whole time and i just kept getting her confused with chris for a while yeah i can't uh, even remember which one that is right now as yeah, I'm it wasn't until it. the council meeting that I finally figured out kind of who she was and what she was kind of about. Because there wasn't enough Mm -hmm. time with any of them to really establish Mm -hmm. much of their personalities beyond uh, beyond Bell and Loden for a good part of the book. Right. So, like, when I started reading... There was that Ithorian Jedi. I don't remember which one that was. And there's, like, there is Taomi. I think... Is is it Taomi that's the one that dies? I can't remember. No, it's, like... uh, yeah, like, this is the problem. There's there's way too many. And I, I tweeted about this, too, because I was like, I'm not sure if it's just, like, me getting older, but, like, when I read a book like this, especially with Star Wars names, it's just, like, they go in and out of my head. Like, I could kind of remember Bell's Zedifar because it's an interesting name, and, like, load in Great Storm because it's Great Storm, but, like, I, like, I have room for them, Porter Engel, who's, like, the old Jedi, Avar Chris, and Elzar Man. Those are the those are the five characters that kind of stuck with me, and Burr Yaga, because he's a Wookiee. Like, those are the five or six characters that really stuck with me, and then the others are kind of just... They, they weren't, I didn't find that 
they they stuck with me like i i i think you can't half-ass something like that like you, you can't half-ass character introductions you got to go full ass and i think they probably should have just stuck with a bell and loaded a bit more and maybe avar a bit more um and then yeah. maybe one other jedi instead of like all the ones that go with like they clearly have a conception of who these characters are meant to be but it's hard to get that all across when you're introducing 30 plus characters in the space of one book and it's a relatively short book too mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of chapters but they are i think it's i think my ebook claimed to be 365 pages but uh the chapters are relatively short so every two or three yeah. pages you're getting like a bit of that's cut off for the actual chapter transitions mm-hmm. so it it's functionally a lot shorter than that and yeah it was a 13 hour long audiobook which is not on the long side probably on the short side of yeah. what we read and like this is something that we spoke about a bit with uh wraith squadron and rogue squadron initially as well is that it was hard for us to kind of get to know all those characters in the space mm-hmm. of the of like Ray Squadron, Rogue Squadron, the initial books of their of their uh, generally trilogies, but mm. uh, and that's with all of them being in the same place, interacting the entire time. Yeah, so there was more opportunities to get to know them. But for this, it felt like there were character storylines that didn't really have as much impact on what was specifically going on here. It was nice to see them all kind of working together with the disaster, uh, Mm -hmm. but having them all trying to be main characters that early on, it was a bit difficult. And I did, I ended up thinking about like, should I make notes for this or not? And I feel like to give an accurate representation of how I feel about the book, it kind of works better to not know the names while I'm talking about it, because (laughs) I, I did really enjoy the book by the end, but this is something that kind of stuck with me the entire time and if I'm going to give a good impression of how I felt while reading the book, I think that kind of has to stay around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I think you're right. Um, for me, like, I, I liked the, the premise and the Nile were an interesting enough faction, I guess, but I felt like the, the premise of a hyperspace disaster got a little more interest, a little less interesting as the book went on. Um, so, kind of to summarize things, the, the Nihil, who are like, the, they described them as space Vikings before the book came out. And I think more like space biker gang would probably be like a better, um, like emo space bikers, basically. Um, they use this alternate form of, it, it's sort of like really advanced hyperspace, more than like an alternate form of hyperspace based on what I could understand. And it allows them to pull off these really insane jumps. They can micro jump, they can jump from inside gravity wells. They can do all this crazy shit that you can't do with a regular hyperdrive. Um, it's called a path engine. And so, they get these... Yeah, it, like, it's, it feels like this is basically where modern hyperspace technology is going to come from. I'm not sure. Because they do a lot of things you can't do with modern hyperspace technology. It seems a bit more... Uh... Like, slightly more advanced, but the stuff mm. that they talk about being, like, impossible that they end up doing, it seems like they just have better hyperdrives. Yeah, like, it, it's a bit unclear to me, um, because it does seem like, basically, I, I forgot her name, but there's there's a woman who they, who, uh, Marcian Rowe, who's, sorry? Uh, Mari Santeca. Yeah, Mari Santeca, who I assume is related to Laura Santeca, but yeah. I, I don't know. 
It seems um, like this is how they end up becoming the kind of Jedi devotees that Lachanteca yes. is. So, it seems like maybe her use of the paths and the path engine is basically just because she can calculate these crazy routes um, in her head because she's like, something happened to her. I, th I think it says in the Unknown Regions and then afterwards she becomes like a hyperspace savant, basically. Um, well, do you think it's like the uh, the Skywalkers? Because it seems no, like it, it, it might be. be some sort of like force thing. But the Skywalkers were more like they were using the force to control the ship in space. I kind of got the idea more that she was working like a supercomputer. Um, yeah, like, I think it's presented more like that. But I think it like it seems like if you were to get like the mechanism behind it, it's a bit more like the Skywalkers. And I think that's why Martian mm -hmm. Rowe wanted Loden. Because he kind of knows that oh, Mari is going to be like probably wants to for something related to that, or hopes that he can kind of replicate mm. some of what uh, Mari's able to do. Because like she's over a hundred by this point mm -hmm. and kind of kept alive within uh, a medical pod. Yeah, because he's Martian Rowe is lying to this woman and saying, "Oh, you were finding all these new hyperspace routes." So mm. it kind of does imply that like these are things that could be accessed by other people if they just have. Uh, have the right coordinates yeah. and stuff. I do think that the the path engine they have on their ships probably allows some of like because it kind of seems like they're making really advanced kind of like turns and stuff in hyperspace. Yeah. Um, so it, it does seem like the engine facilitates that, but otherwise it's just like her really because they're called paths and she can kind of generate them and they work just like hyperspace routes, but she can make them anywhere, pretty much, or she can discover well, she's them anywhere. Them, yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it does seem to just be a part of. But then there's also so the the the, the Nihil have this base and I think they call it is it, uh, non space or something uh, like that. No space something. I, I couldn't figure out if that was supposed to be like another dimension or something. It almost seemed like that. Yeah, I. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be like. Because we've got stuff with other dimensions with uh, Mortis and World Between Worlds, and mm -hmm. uh, so it wouldn't. It and hyperspace is essentially another dimension, hyperspace yeah. and real space. So uh, with how the paths do stuff, it wouldn't surprise me if it's kind of like entering, yeah, uh, another like hyperspace adjacent dimension. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So. The it, it turns out by the end of the book that this disaster was essentially caused by a Nihil ship using its path engine colliding, or it doesn't actually collide with the Republic ship. The Republic ship is forced to pull this maneuver and it breaks apart. These pieces go across the galaxy, which I don't know. To me, that's like, that kind of has the last Jedi issue where like, if you could willingly do that to your ship, it's like, why does it not happen more often, you know? Yeah, and I think that might be the distinction with path engines versus just more advanced hyperspace that you can mm -hmm. kind of just drive directly within yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I'm just not sure how how much of an area those pieces kept going through hyperspace because I don't know if it's just kind of like the mm -hmm. straight down whatever trade spine goes out to Ariadu and it was all kind of localized yeah. in the southern part of the of the galaxy but it's like uh lena so talks about cutting off the entire outer rim 
though there are fewer hyperspace routes to get out that far. So mm-hmm. that's part of why. But we do get a few planets that uh, start dealing with the fallout from this. There's Herzl, Ariadu, uh, mm-hmm. and a few others. The Antoine gets knocked by one. Which is on the opposite side of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, that was like another one of my problems too. And this is kind of a minor one. Like I'm not usually too... I don't hold Star Wars to any scientific standard. But I did have a problem where, it, you know, space is really big. And I feel like even if all these particles are coming or these projectiles are coming out down hyperspace routes, even if they are naturally near planets, it felt like every single one was hitting something like a space station. I don't know. Space yeah. is just really big. So I was like a little bit suspension of disbelief there. And they're also I, I posted about this on Twitter and a lot of people disagreed with me, but they're also moving at the speed of light, like or near the speed of light. It's, they say they're moving at a high percentage of the speed of light. And they're like shooting them, shooting the projectiles down with missiles and stuff. And for me, that was like, it just didn't feel right. Like something that Star Wars ships could do. Um, well, it whatever. depends on which direction they were coming from. Because like, I think they were typically firing out away from the planet. Mm-hmm. And then they started chasing the one or two down. But mm-hmm. I think they were typically being shot at from the opposite direction. So they were, yeah. the parts of the ship were heading towards people that were then being mm-hmm. shot. Not going from behind. Yeah. Uh, so I think like I was, I was pretty much fine with the whole thing until the it was uh, revealed that this was done intentionally. Because mm-hmm. if I'm generally fine with like whatever happens as an accident or whatever, uh, and then you deal with that because the force and mm-hmm. this is something that was happening and the force made this happen and then how they deal with it that's the problem. Uh, or like how the characters deal with it becomes the problem for the for them to overcome not necess- not that that is a problem with the story uh, but mm-hmm. when it's when we start hearing about like oh this is something that martian did on purpose then it's a bit too much like he was in because like he was clearly doing this intending for these to hit all these planets mm-hmm. and i don't know that's that's the biggest pool trick shot i've ever seen and that's where i started having some more questions yeah. with it and it just turns out, too, that it's really just the ship trying to dodge the projectile, which is what causes this massive accident, like, across the galaxy. And it's just, like, that's something that could happen again, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, like, that's something you think would happen other times. Like, I would have preferred if there was... Because at the beginning, they make it seem like there's some sort of sickness with hyperspace. I think that would have been a better explanation for why the ship breaks apart and why it's able to maintain kind of its uh, its position in hyperspace until it randomly pops out. Like I would have preferred that. I think rather than oh the and ship dodged and just kind of randomly and yeah yeah. But yeah. a lot of that it just like that's Star Wars. Yeah, no, it is. Um, it's just I, I guess I expected the event to be like. Uh, a big thing that was really crucial to the entire High Republic series. Like, I thought yeah. it was going to be, like, something that the Nihil used or, like, something the galaxy was doing or, like, mm-hmm. maybe the Sith were doing. But I, I don't think it's going to be a major element of future books unless there's more emergencies uh, or cataclysms or whatever. Yeah. Like, I was kind of under that same impression where it seemed like... It seemed more like the direction it was going was that this happens and then there's all these other groups like the Nihil 
or specifically the Nihil, that take advantage of it and causes mm. these divisions in the in the Republic. But mm. instead, within the space of the one book, we find out that it was done intentionally by the Nihil, and the Republic also finds that out, and then a third of the Nihil get taken out. Mm-hmm. So, it yeah. Yeah, it's... So, what do you think's the deal with them, anyway? Or Because the Nihil are led by Martian Rowe, who's... He's called the Eye of the Nihil. He's not actually, like, the leader, per se. The Nihil have, like, three... Um, the rule of three. I really yeah. wish that sentence hadn't been there. <laughs> Me too. There's uh, So, I, that's one of the other things that... Sorry, I don't want to cut okay. off that, but... Uh, one of the other... It kind of gets back to what we were talking about initially, but one of the things that... I think it was one of the weaker parts of the book is that there are kind of a lot of cliches in it mm-hmm. uh, where I feel like the rule of three is an obvious reference to the rule of two. It mm-hmm. didn't need to be there because the Nihil aren't setting themselves up after the Sith. They're just, yeah, just got thrown in as a star Warsy term, I guess. And uh, the, we are the Republic. And that kind of gets explained later as a thing that was intentionally done to kind of uh, like slogans are a powerful thing. So, mm-hmm. Even if it feels kind of cheesy, I think that gets acknowledged enough within the book that it's not, uh, that that didn't become a problem for me. But then there's also like uh, 73 instances of people quoting Yoda's luminous beings or we. Yeah. Which just, yeah. if it, if, I liked, I prefer when that kind of thing is the kind of thing that a character says in the moment because of the context of their situation. But now if we go back and have like that thing that Yoda says become, oh, that's just a weird jedi proverb he's been saying at every opportunity since he was uh a sprightly 600 year Mm -hmm. old uh little gremlin then (laughs) it kind of i don't know that kind of cheapens it a bit for me which no i agree didn't detract that much from my overall enjoyment but it was something that did come up a few times that ended up Mm -hmm. uh being kind of sticking points for me but yeah sorry martian Rowe. no you're you're right I, i i agree um it's just like star wars others need to show a bit more restraint sometimes yeah, and it's the this same like, thing that we talked about in some of the earlier books, where it's like mm-hmm. it felt like there were too many instances of the like X-wing series kind of relying on these character catchphrases or throwing in mm-hmm. references that didn't necessarily need to be there. They could rely on their own strengths rather than feeling the need to be like, "Hey, look, I'm a Star Wars reference every few minutes." But mm-hmm. yeah, it's like we know this is a Star Wars book. We're not going to forget <laughs> if we don't have the the Yoda reference in there. Um, but yeah, so. The the Nihil have these three sects, basically, each run by a leader. Um, they kind of work together, and then, but independently as well, they they all share their their plunder and whatnot. And then there's also the the Eye, uh, who provides these paths, these, which gives the Nihil a big advantage because they can show up in atmosphere, basically wherever they want, using these special hyperspace lanes. And he also has an element of leadership in the the Nihil early on where they vote on whether they do these big projects or these raids or whatever else and often the eye will be the uh the tie-breaking vote but by the end of the book Martian Rowe has basically assumed control over the entire organization which I, I think is an interesting way to take it yeah like I feel like parts of this uh could have been again spread over a bit of a longer period of time because we kind of, the way that Nihil were advertised, we're kind of like, these are the people who like, uh, the Repub- the High Republic is the group that's like, oh, we're working for the for the collective good and everyone's able to prosper under this. And then the Nihil are the ones that are 
just uh, into just their positive freedom. So they're free to do whatever they want. They don't want to mm-hmm. have these other restrictions. So they're yeah. out kind of pillaging, taking what they want. Uh, and they want to get, get rid of this uh, ordered society, basically. And within like five minutes, like almost actually, I think it was their initial introduction, the first scene with Martian Rowe and them, where it's like, ah, uh, they thought this, but actually they are subsumed by a obviously more strict hierarchy and mm-hmm. less rethink under me. So mm-hmm. I think it could have been more interesting if it was like uh, seeing a bit more of them acting in that way they were presented initially before we find out actually no they're getting taken advantage of by Mm -hmm. uh how martian's doing this but instead we kind of just get right to that point yeah yeah there like there was the interesting moment where i did like when he kind of has his badass moment and shuts the other uh what are they called again um uh the temp though the tempest 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 runners yeah. He, shuts the, he shuts the Tempest Runners down. That, that was interesting, but yeah, it would have been nice to be a bit more nuanced. Like, yeah. I don't know. Martian Rowe goes between being kind of interesting to being like cringe eye rolly for me. Like, mm-hmm. that's I, I think that's true with the Nihil generally. Like, they're just they're just so edgy the way they're written. Like listening to heavy metal music and like. The shit they say, like their chants and stuff, and it's like it works sometimes, but other times I'm like, even for Star Wars, this is kind of lame. <laughs> yeah, they're very Nagai. Yes, they are very Nagai. That's that's a very good uh, comparison. But I don't. Yeah, like I, there were parts where I really did like Martian, but the fact that we don't know what he's actually doing, like we get this full explanation of how the the Nihil is a lie, basically, mm-hmm. and how it's been taken advantage of. But we have no real indication of what his yeah. plan is at all, other than he just wants to take over the hill. And I don't think I don't think we need everything explained to us yet. But it would have been nice to, to be have some kind of idea of what he's doing uh, and how this all connects. Yeah, like I was reading the last you know few pages, and I was like, okay, where's this hook gonna be? Like, where's the thing that's gonna make me want to read the next book? And I didn't really get it. Like, I. I like the universe they set up. We do get, I guess, um, we do have that one moment where what's-his-name has the vision. Uh, Elzar has the vision of the future, and it's just, oh, bad things are happening. But I don't know, like, I'm going to guess that there's some sort of Sith thing going on with the Nihil. Um, I do think it will probably come back to the Sith trying to destabilize the Republic. But I'm not surprised they didn't reveal that, but I wish we, they gave us a little bit more because... I'm just, I finished reading the, the book and I was just like, okay, like, well, what's next, I guess? We did get a kind of like implicit canonization of like the Tor Sith Wars. In, yeah. So that was interesting there. But yeah, like the Sith are definitely in the background somewhere, but mm-hmm. maybe they will connect to the, to the Nihil. Do you think they're involved at all or will be involved in this? Because I, I assume at some point, like in the three arcs, they'll... Yeah, like I we'll feel learn like what they're up to. Plagueis has got to come up at least somewhere in High Republic, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe his master as well. But I don't know if they're going to be involved directly with the Nihil, or if we're kind of going to move past the point where like we're going to get the broader picture and the Nihil are part of that, and maybe mm-hmm. Martian Roe is part of something else. But I don't know. It, there's just, just so little explanation of what his actual goal is. Yeah. 
or what his relationship to everything else is. We get a little hint that like his family, mm-hmm. he, him and his dad, who I think his name was spelled two different ways throughout the book. Oh, there really? was like Agar and then Asgar or something. Yeah, they call it Asgar in the audiobook. Because uh, I think there were a few points where he was just A-G-A-R. Uh, so mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I'm, that might just be me misremembering it. But, uh, but yeah, like seeing how he connects to anything is obviously like that. I, I don't need his ambitions revealed right now. But when the Nihil didn't have any ambitions of their own, we're not really seeing things come together like there there wasn't much to frame what they were doing because the nihil were generally happy to just kind of raid and plunder but we didn't mm-hmm. really see them doing much of that in this book so their mm-hmm. motivations are unclear or their motivations are clearly not were being acted mm-hmm. on throughout this book because they're just essentially doing the things that martian puppets them to do but because mm-hmm. we don't know what his his motivation is either it'd be one thing if we were kind of seeing them act under his orders, doing the things they think they want to accomplish, and then we get the broader picture revealed later, uh, then great. But as it is, it's like their motivations don't matter, and then Martians aren't explained at all. So yeah, they're kind of doing all this without context, and it's a bit difficult to care about them when I spent the whole book thinking like, oh, so they're just leading to something else, but then the something else never really came yet. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at this point too if the the whole this whole arc ended up being just that, like one arc of the High Republic era. Um and then maybe there will be other like maybe it will be a self-contained story just to set up the like the this time in history and then we'll get something else afterwards. Um Yeah, like like this could be a self-contained just opening chapter to the story. Yeah. You know well, I mean? like Martian is definitely gonna continue to grow as a villain because like he has a he has a lightsaber now which makes him pretty powerful so yeah he's super epic now actually yeah he has a mask <laughs> that's always a sign of a, a star wars villain mm-hmm. oh my god could marshawn roe be darth vader i think that's a good theory yeah. i think he might be darth vader's father I, that, that's a very good theory i'm gonna mark that one down all right are, are we making are we putting that down as our bet i think we, we were both agreed though so let's just let's just accept that we probably know what's going on and continue okay so well i figured it'd be our bet against the world okay the world yeah no i'm, I'm, d- I'm down okay you're my ride or die so yeah i'm down for okay. that cool so darth vader martian rose <laughs> Got it. And not Anakin, just Darth Vader. Yeah. No, they're two different characters. I'll name him Darth Vader. (laughs) So I think what actually happens is like Martian Roe and Lorna D have Mm -hmm. a child who's like uh, Voldemort's child and the cursed Mm -hmm. child of Harry Potter. Uh, I know we make a lot of Harry Potter references here. I don't think any of you ever expected us to get into cursed child territory. I don't think you've even read it. No, I've never read it. Uh, Don't. I won't. (laughs) I won't. uh, So it... They have a child who's just a disembodied spirit that kind of. Uh, I assume it's from uh, what's her name? Um, Bellatrix, is it? Uh, Bellatrix's Voldemort daughter. Child? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so Voldemort got uh, he he got it done, did he? Or did he do it in the spirit from the spirit realm after he died? Uh, I think it was before he died. I think it was probably like right before the Battle of Hogwarts. 
So it's a little Jason Sandula situation. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Can you imagine? Oh, lay in the nuts. That's what I usually say. Can you imagine Voldemort just lay it like angrily laying the nuts, knowing he's about to kill Harry Potter, just pumped <laughs> out of his fucking mind? He just goes up to Bellatrix. You know, we could both die tomorrow. <laughs> I don't think he ever thought he was going to die. He's like, you might die tomorrow. <laughs> I can't be killed. I don't have a nose. Is that how that works? I think so. Michael Jackson died. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to talk to Charlie about that later. He's the big MJ fan. Uh, does that extend beyond the Iwaki or... Yeah, it does. like he's he's like I can tell sometimes that he's way more into Michael Jackson than he lets up. Like, let's get him drunk tonight and ask when he's falling asleep. Okay, that sounds fair. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so what a. So, the book did do some things that I thought were really good. Like I, I, I feel like we're shitting on it a lot, and that's no, I, I didn't I, love I, the book. I actually, I'm more positive than negative on the book. Uh, mm -hmm. we'll get to our tier ratings later, but like my compare, my point of comparison was basically Darth Bane the whole time. And I think, mm -hmm. I don't know if I like it as much as the first Darth Bane book, but I think I liked it more than the, than the other two. Yeah. It's been so long since I've rated things. I've got to, I'm going to take a look at the list. This is the first like novel we have done in ages four maybe five months since Darth Bane three, right? Probably. No, no, that was. The Darth Bane books were a while ago. The last one we did was, uh, was, uh, blah, 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 I mean, besides for Young Jedi, I'm not counting Young no, Jedi. No, the, then. uh, the Belsivis book. Belsivis book? The book on Belsivis. With the, uh, with Callista, the first of the Callista. Oh, show. yeah, yeah, Children of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Forgot that was there. <laughs> we're just doing all the of the Jedi books right now. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Like, there were parts in this book that I, I really liked. I liked the... I thought it did a good job of, like, raising tensions at some part. Like, I was really hoping that uh, Bell and Loden would catch the Nihil when they were stealing that family. Uh, I thought they did a good job there. I liked... I, I thought it was a little transparent at the beginning when... Like, I knew when they started spending time with random civilians that those people were going to die. Like, that freighter captain at the beginning... Who like the book goes out of its way to like give a backstory to? I was like, okay, she's dead. But I knew that because that chapter actually released a while ago. Um, <laughs> and it does that later with somebody else as well. Um, oh yeah, those people on the the monitoring station. Yeah, uh, the first two like, chapters okay. were. He's like just that. I I thought that was like maybe also a bit heavy handed, but I, I enjoyed it and it's cheap, but it does work. I think. Um, I also thought the moment where the Jedi are coming together was well done, um, where Avar Chris is using her, she's got kind of a unique force power, it's not like a, it's sort of like a battle meditation, but it's more like she's strengthening the bonds between Jedi and helping everyone to communicate, and... Yeah, it was more like the, the mind meld from NJO. Yeah, it was like a mind meld. She's kind of got Just the Jason like... Solo empath powers going on. Yeah, so exactly. keep an eye on Avar Chris to turn Sith by the end. Yeah, Avar Sith. I like it. Um, speaking of, she's definitely, her and Elzar definitely were banging in the past. Oh yeah, and they make that explicitly clear. 
They're like, it's okay if you bang while you're paddle once. And I was like, nice. <laughs> well, it, it's uh, it's frowned upon. Well, but everyone looks the other way, much like they're pro- like this is clearly prime Yoda Yaddle making Grogu time, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. So. But I I think I would like if this. Uh, one thing that I would like is if this these books examine like all these bullshit Jedi rules, like don't have anyone that you love in your life, and like they decide that yeah, those are kind of shit, and if you want to do that, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I always thought it was really stupid that like one of the the main teachings because Star Wars, is, you know, George Lucas ultimately envisioned Star Wars as a guide for young people to you know, be good people and, you know, leave the house and all that. I never liked the idea that, like, to be a Jedi, you've got to essentially be an unrealistic person. You've got to not feel attachment. You've got to, you know, be completely selfless. So I would like if this if this book series examined how you can be a Jedi without following all of these kind of bullshit rules. Like, I, I don't think there's any reason why Jedi shouldn't be able to fall in love. Like, I think the lesson, or even take a partner, I think the lesson should be, like, yes, you can do that, but you have to have a healthy attachment. Like, the issue with Anakin was not that he was attached to Padme, it was that he had an unhealthy attachment to her because he didn't, he feared losing her so much. And I think it would be good if we saw some of that examined. But I'm not sure if we will or not. Well, and if we see kind of how the fall of the Jedi comes into that, and that's even what the period is kind of called after Mm -hmm. this, but like seeing how this leads up to the kind of corrupted or the kind of uh, disconnected Jedi Order where like the inability to or the prevention of forming attachments contributed heavily to the thing that got them all killed and mm-hmm. kind of seeing how we led up to that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing the downside of this, because like, if it ends up just being the high republic and the height of the jedi was just exactly the things that we know led to them all yeah. kind of dying and a lot of the people who were in charge still being in charge 300 years later or 200 years later because mm-hmm. uh, there's at least three jedi council members from episode one that are in place already yeah uh and yeah i would be a little disappointed there i, I assume at some point we're going to see chancellor so assassinated <laughs> yeah or like, is that, uh, or even just defeated in an election by that outer rim senator? Yeah, because there's more outer rim planets now. Maybe they'd be able to vote against her, or, like claim she's just a core, uh, one of those core elites. Mm-hmm. Um, but just since we were kind of mentioning Yoda, uh, and the thing I was saying earlier about like the cliches, where like Yoda is followed everywhere in this book when he gets mentioned. Like, they mm-hmm. always talk about how he has this little posse of younglings that he's training just because of this the scene yeah. with the map. That's the only reason that's there, and it's... Yeah, like they could have had Yoda out, like, he's on sabbatical, too, so they could have had him out, like, learning the mysteries of the Force or some shit, like... Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily convinced that he would have had to... And yeah, this book does suffer from that, like, that's a good point, and... It's kind of disappointing because they gave themselves enough room to really make their own thing. But I mean, they're not being weighed down too far yet. But I'm just, I am a bit worried that they could get a little too caught up in trying to hit all the Star Wars notes, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, but like I, it's more with that. Like uh, we have an opportunity to kind of see Yoda and how he turned into the Yoda we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the only Yoda we get is kind of like, oh look, he was with younglings before. Here's Yoda with younglings now. Yeah, and that kind of thing, or like uh, the quotes about do or do not, or mm-hmm. the luminous beings are we quote. Uh, then I. I feel like that's a missed opportunity if that mm. ends up being what we get. We didn't really get much Yoda right now, so that's fine. He's but AFK right The more now. he shows up, hopefully we don't get quite as much of that. Yeah. Yeah, Yoda's AFK. He's off doing his own thing. But well, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure young, about. sexy Yoda will show up at some point. Yeah, there's, uh, there's the comics about that. or Is that the young adult book or the comic? I'm not sure. But, but yeah, so that's what, that's kind of my thoughts on, well, actually, the most prominently featured uh, Jedi Master we get here is actually Yariel Poof. So, <laughs> yeah, just kind of funny. He was, uh, I, I guess I didn't realize he was so old. I mean, his yeah. neck do be long, but I didn't realize that meant that he was so old. Well, you're a, you're a well-established uh, Poof pal, the leader of the Yariel Poof fan club so what was your how excited were you to get him so prominently featured in the novel i actually love yariel poof because i had a one of the old visual guides for the prequels had a big picture of him and i think it said he had like i forget whether he had a second heart in his head or something some weird physiological fact about him that i used to love when i was a kid and yeah it was like it just point all that out about him. I thought it was really cool. But, uh, you know, it doesn't really do too much, so... There was one cool scene with the Jedi Council that I enjoyed. Wish we would have got more of that. I like the the Starlight Beacon's pretty cool, too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Because that's where, Because uh, at the end of the book, we, we learn that's where Avar is going, and she seems to be one of the main characters in the books. Um, so... Presumably we'll see a lot about how the Starlight Beacon operates. I'm kind of wondering whether it's still around or whether it gets destroyed at some point. I don't mm-hmm. think we know for sure. Uh, yeah, because I feel like that'll kind of be the symbol of the fall of the Republic. Mm-hmm. Is Starlight Beacon going down? But Or it's just, it starts just broadcasting TLC, Republic. like My 600 Pound Life or something and nothing else. <laughs> it's, it's the Star Wars History Channel. <laughs> It's it's just nine day fiance nonstop. <laughs> There's an episode of Pawn like the later books are just Pawn Stars on Starlight Beacon. Yeah, I that would found actually be this six hundred year old lightsaber. Do you think this is worth much? I was hoping to get about a hundred thousand credits for it. Well, I got a friend who's an expert in lightsabers. Uh, let me call my buddy real quick. Yeah, no, that that would be sick. I'm... I'll give you five dollars for it. Um, that kind of reminds me. What did you think of the? Uh, so we get some new technology in this book, which I kind of liked it what did you think of the tech and the um the battles we got uh so my the the biggest thing that i liked on that side as far as like the tech or military organizational side is that we kind of see how the republic military operated when there wasn't a standing republic military we kind of get a lot of this by implication in other places but here we kind of see it in, in action and explicitly stated in a way that uh, we didn't really get many places uh, mm-hmm. before, either in canon or in Legends. And you can kind of assume that the way the Republic military functioned in Legends would have been about the same, where 
there's this kind of token defense force made out of these kind of smaller ships and yeah. they were more of the kind of patrol kind of forces maybe they get deployed in certain areas but you also have in the background all these sector forces so mm-hmm. even if there's no standing republic military there's all of these other planetary forces there's the Karelian defense force there's uh Ariadu we get explicitly in here uh and Lena So mentions uh these warlord forces that are out there so mm-hmm. even though it is technically within the period of peace and there's no standing military uh, and the Jedi aren't taking a military role, there are still well-armed systems out there. Yeah, um, and, the, and the Jedi can kind of, or the Republic, for one, it actually seems like the Jedi have a larger military than the Republic, but the Republic itself can kind of conscript sector forces into yeah. uh, fleets that will be then commanded by Republic military officer which which is a some world building and some details that i quite like because it's really the way that makes most sense if you're going to demilitarize yeah so the demilitarization in this context is more decentralizing the decentralization yeah and And then then, so which it's kind of like what the new republic does in canon as well yeah um just the new republic in canon doesn't go quite as far because they don't have as much time but and uh the uh, the New Republic or Galactic Alliance and Legends kind of does the same thing as well, where they end up going further towards the sector defense forces. And one of the reasons Corelli rebels is because they want more, more freedom to make those defense forces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's which is, which is nice. Um, some nice legacy of the force stuff in there, but. What did you think of the battle? I guess because there's one big space battle, and it was like. They're kind of hyping it up because they massed this giant... Well, they kind of describe it as like this big Republic War fleet. And it's like five ships. And I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't enjoy... Or that battle wasn't one of my favorite parts in the book. No. I don't think it's... Like, the only thing I can remember happening that was actually described as part of the battle was the Do-do. freighter dumping the goop out and then igniting yeah. it. Which, okay. Yeah, that was interesting. Um it was it, it was kind of lame because like the republic was clearly winning basically the nihil have freighters and small ships and the republics have has like six big warships and then a jedi ship um and the republic's cleanly like winning very well and then the uh the leader of the nihil is just like just fight dirty lads and they get it done <laughs> yeah like i i do like what it meant for the overall story where like mm-hmm. I I enjoyed how Martian was willing to, uh, to use them like that and basically gave this speech, had those recordings of himself doing that, and it was like, oh look, they must have really taken that to heart when really he told them all, like he forced the ships to mm-hmm. mini jump or micro jump into the Republic forces, so he's able to take out a lot of the Republic forces, but also able to take out uh, yeah. a faction of the Nihil that weren't going to be especially useful to him and make the Republic think that they were not a threat anymore. Like I thought that was a good way to handle uh, those elements of those problems that the Nihil were going to have. So they could build up more in the background. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though I, I don't think it was one of the better star Wars battle. Like as far as the battle itself goes, it wasn't one of my favorites. No. Yeah, it was, it wasn't super exciting. I didn't think it was particularly well written either. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very confused about the specifics of what was going on in certain plates. Yeah. Where I like I even got to the point where I was just like skipping down the page a bit to 
kind of get back to the rest of the story because it was yeah. very kind of hectic and mm-hmm. i mean that's a lot of the book too it's just kind of hectic like i'm thinking kind of about how i would have written it and not that i'm an author or i i could write a star wars book but i think i would have liked to follow the relationship between like avar chris and elzar man i think it would have been interesting maybe if we had some flashback chapters maybe to them as padawans and the the book was kind of about their relationship and maybe the relationship as well between Loden and Bell. Um, I think that's how I would have structured it because I think that would have helped make these individual Jedi more likable. Like I already did start to like the relationship between the master and apprentice and the two um, companion Jedi, but it would have been nice if they focused a bit more on that. And we also would have got to see more of the universe and more of the kind of galaxy at this point. We would have got to see more of the Jedi Order. We would have had more kind of slower moments um, because yeah. a lot of the book is fully full of action. And we would have, I think, most importantly, removed some of the... There were just too many characters, especially when you have... Not only do you have to know Martian Rowe, you also have to know the three uh, Nihil commanders. I can't remember their name. Like I know generally there's one who's you know, very sneaky and stealthy. There's one who's all drugged up, and then there's another yeah. one. There was um, Lorna D, there was Pad Thai, and there <laughs> was uh, Kavik. Pad Thai was the uh, the uh, Chevin, wasn't he? Was he a Chevin? No. Uh... Uh, one of them was a Chevin, or Chev. I can never remember which is the humanoid, which is the elephant, but it was the elephant yeah. one. And yeah. if Trisina Lobby got mixed up on that, then I can't be held accountable for my <laughs> actions. Uh I think Lorna D was a Twi'lek. Like, they they yeah, did put was. a lot of time into like saying, "Oh, look, look at these other species we have." And everyone's not just a human, which I like when we get more alien characters uh, rather than just like one or two. But because there were so many characters, I can't remember who was what anymore. Anyways, mm-hmm. what did you think of the? Uh, oh, what was his name? The Gungan gangster. Wet pub. <laughs> yeah, wet pub. <laughs> it's nice to see gungans out in the galaxy yeah like they can leave naboo and Uh, they don't have to be pro wet bub yeah pro wet bub (laughs) gross (laughs) (laughs) i feel like we need to work that into a new (laughs) new saying somewhere that'll be the uh the itunes review call yeah if you can work wet wet bub bub into your review The two the two words don't need to be next to each other, but just the no. word wet and then the word bub somewhere. Capitalize uh, them so we know. Yeah, you didn't just happen to say wet and bub in your review, otherwise. Yeah, because it, it could work. happen. You never know. Yeah, make it work. I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts? I mean, I I I feel like I'm shitting on the book. I I enjoyed parts of it. I I never felt like it was a slog like I did with no. like Children of the Jedi or like some of the other books that I've liked a lot less than this one but i was also I, I was captivated in the chase um when those farm or when those uh miners got stolen i thought that was really interesting um there were a few other moments that captured my attention but the book as a whole i wouldn't say had me like really excited to read more but it wasn't awful i was yeah. just hoping for more from a entry into this new era yeah like i feel like parts of the things that i didn't love uh maybe the kind of things that are a result of it being the intro where they wanted to have this action-packed thing introduce all the characters when those are the two things where i feel like they could have 
taken it a bit slower and had a stronger yeah. individual book. Uh, yeah. They might have been thinking a bit more uh, in terms of how it's going to fit into everything else. And in my opinion, stumbled on that point a little bit. Uh, totally. But Look, I, uh, I guess, do you want to get into the ranking it then? Yeah, I'll just say, I think it would have been to their... Oh, geez, I just... My, my uh, computer just started playing random audio. Um, I think it would have been to their benefit to give us a few Jedi that they that we were really, really attached to. And I guess that that was one of the big issues for me. I would have liked mm-hmm. to have that time focused on one pairing or whatever else. But yeah. I won't belabor that point anymore. Uh, do you have the do you have the ranking available? I kind of forget. I, yeah, I'm gonna open that up here. But there is so we're gonna do email questions, and maybe a couple of chat questions after this. Uh, we did just get a question right now in chat that I think is a good one to start with while I bring up the rankings uh, before okay. we hop into the emails. Sure. Uh, so sled drivers asked, "What do you think that strange purple glowing artifact Martian Row had at the end was?" Because I I wasn't sure. So did you have any any idea there? Hmm. I don't. I don't even really remember what it was, to be honest. It was like a cylinder he had. Oh. Uh, that he pulled out in front of Loden, and it wasn't his lightsaber. I don't think it was his lightsaber. It was like a three-hand long cylinder. Yeah. I'm just gonna see if I can read the passage again because I, 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 I don't know what that was. Um. We did have a reference to a saber staff in this book, which was interesting yeah, because one of the uh, saber staff. Yeah, one of the Jedi has a purified one. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure really. That's like a lot of, a lot of Marshawn's is like his story is kind of wrapped up in this mystery, but it's so mysterious that like, it might hurt the character a bit because we just don't even know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here it is. I've got the, uh, the paragraph right here. Marshawn Rowe reached inside his tunic and pulled out an object of stone and metal, a rod three hands long, so three hands long, sorry. Carved and incised with symbols, screaming faces, fire chains, it looked as if it had been melted once and reforged as his hand touched the object, began to glow a sickly purple color that somehow overpowered the star-bright light of the prison deck. The thing was almost as fully to blame for what had happened to his ancestors as the Jedi, but that was an old story and this was a new time. Um, so yeah, I, I've got no clue, to be honest. I Some sort of Sith artifact, maybe? Like, it's definitely... Seems force related, maybe not Jedi or Sith, but hmm. something strange going on there. There is something strange in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I have access. I think yeah, you had the graphic and that was streamed there, but I don't know where we last used the graphic. I should have found this. Uh, before well, we did our ranking video. Let me just pull that up. Okay. Yeah, that'll be a. A good place for it. Uh, we'll so we to... did the last episode. We did was a uh, just a Q and A video or a Q and A episode, and there were a bunch of emails that we weren't able to get to for that one. I don't know if we're gonna we could potentially do a uh, another episode of that, or have one of the kind of uh, off week episodes be doing more of those questions because. Uh, we did get some more emails and comments asking when we'd be doing the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, I would be down to do something like that every, like, maybe bi-monthly or something. Because yeah, that it, would probably work. Because it was seem to be something that people enjoyed. 
Also, I just sent you the ranking. Um, I just cool. grabbed it from a video. We'll, we'll have to redo it at some point, but yeah. Well, but yeah, I, I'd be down to do that maybe bi-monthly or four times a year or something like that. Yeah. So we, I think we ended that with more questions yeah. than we started, more emails yeah. than we started Definitely. with. All right. So do you want to start off? So to remind everyone that we need to make this available as well in like a, yes. a spreadsheet form, but we have yes. all the books ranked uh, either S tier, which is the best, uh, that's like the last ABC, command, D, the Plagueis, yeah. etc. Uh, so right now, the S tier, I'll just do the lowest, like three highest and three lowest we have, I think. Sure. Or a couple highest and lowest. So right now in the S tier, Eck currently just has Last Command, Plagueis, and Heir to the Empire. I have Last Command, Plagueis, Battle Surgeons, Heir to the Empire, and Alphabet 2. Uh, then the bottom of our rankings, Eck has two Ds, being the Kratos Trap and Trampians of the Force, and then dark apprentice in c for me i have one f which is champions of the force d is dark apprentice and my lowest c is isar's revenge so yeah for me uh, this is a high c i think i don't think i can, i don't think i can give it more than that unfortunately so that'd group um, it in with like solo command truce of bakura isar's revenge for you yeah yeah i i guess a mid c because i don't think i liked it more than don't think I liked it more than Solo Command. Maybe not more than True Supercurl. Like, I like the universe world building it does. I don't know. It, it's hard. Like, as I'm talking about it, I'm like, okay, I liked it more than I thought. Then we get to a topic that I'm negative on. I'm like, okay, I don't like this book at all. What's my problem? But yeah, I think, I think a high C. Probably the highest of the Cs, actually, for me. Yeah. Like, for me, I think it's looking at the big picture of the book. I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed most of the book, but there were uh, a few of the things we talked about that kind of took me out of it a bit, and mm. a few of the uh, a few individual moments that kind of brought me out of it. Um, like, it didn't have anywhere near the same impact as some of the S's did, where, like, uh, sure. some of those, I almost just... It hasn't been that long since I've read them, and I want to go back and read them, and I don't know when I'll have that urge with this. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, I'm probably going to go around the same, maybe a, a mid-C. I probably did like it more than Truce at Bakura, so it's probably mm -hmm. in around Jedi Search and Truce at Bakura for me. So I think you're going to give it a B for sure. Mm -hmm. It would be a B- minus for me if that was an option, or a C+. Plus. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I feel like Cs aren't books that we dislike. I feel like Yes, I agree. Uh, they're the ones that we like but are probably more critical of yeah then these are really where you get to stuff that's sloggy not yeah yeah uh, children of the jedi or yeah so not the best not the worst uh i'm not i'm not writing off the era though i i wish they'd put a stronger book first for book one but you know yeah it, well, it was enough to actually make me more interested in the era even if uh, there were parts of it that I didn't like as much in, on its own. Mm -hmm. That's fair. All right, so do we have a few questions we'd like to go through uh, before, we, before yes. we end this? We have a few emails. Uh, do you have the email open? I'll open it right now. Yep. All right. Uh, 
Uh, I'll just start with Cody. So he says, uh, he liked the book much better than Master and Apprentice. I find that almost non-existent response to the Jedi body count unbelievable. That's a good point. Uh, over 20 Jedi die and almost nothing is said about it. I feel like we should have gotten more response from the council about memorial. That's, that's true. I will say, though, I did like the idea that this is the Jedi at, like, their most selfless. Uh, I thought it was nice to... I don't know. It, I, I thought the Jedi were... It, it's... Star Wars can be very... You know, like, everything in Star Wars goes to shit, basically. Like, it's always the Republic going to shit, or the, the New Republic going to shit, or the Empire just is shit. So it was kind of nice to have just the Jedi as unambiguously good, I guess. But, yeah, they probably should have noticed that. People yeah. were dying. <laughs> yeah, they. I, I feel like they kind of got the gravity of the disaster, like the actual name disaster, but then the deaths in the fight with the Nihil will probably be addressed in the next book. Because mm. uh, the Jedi Council was... We did get the scene of the Jedi Council kind of debating whether they should do anything, and then it turned into uh, the counselor who died being like, we should... Yes, actually, we should do things that are good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we'll probably get more of a discussion of like what the role of the Jedi ought to be in that and some more pushback and debate on what their real role is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Joel has an interesting question. He says, do you think Lucasfilm is going to more gradually move the timeline forwards and backwards instead of having massive gaps? Because this is only set 300 years or so in the past rather than like in Legends they... Old, the Old Republic's 4,000 years or whatever. So what do you think? Yeah, it does seem like that's kind of the direction they're going. One of the things that does strike me as a little bit odd is some of the way they're talking about how the Republic is is coming along here. Seems yes. like they should have been much farther behind, though. So it does feel a bit weird that, like, there's clearly a very interconnected Republic in, like, Tor, and it does seem like they're keeping a lot of the timeline for that intact, especially since it's been so long since the Sith have been active and there were the Great Sith Wars mm -hmm. or the Great Galactic War, whatever they end up, whatever they called it in the book, mm -hmm. uh, which was much longer ago. But they're also acting like this is kind of the beginnings of having the Outer Rim connected yeah. in a significant way. It's not that long. Like yeah. 300 years isn't even that long in Earth history, much less like. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I had a problem with that, too. Like. That's also kind of my issue, whereas you can't have anything truly galaxy-shaking hap ha galaxy happen in this time period, I don't think. Well, I guess you can, but it's just, it will kind of be weird that it was never mentioned, uh, yeah. being so proximate to the the other events of the... Especially when so many of the characters are actually alive right now. Like yeah. A third of the council by episode one, is, or a quarter of the council by episode mm -hmm. one is already established, and maybe we'll even see another one or two, like... Uh, of is Chewbacca alive yet? I don't think so. He's not. Chewbacca either. would have been born just after this, I think. Okay. Because he was like 180. Okay. I I forget his exact age, but soon. Yeah, he he's coming. He's coming. Oh lord, he coming. We're gonna see uh, Grandpa Chewbacca from mm -hmm. the holiday special show up, just jerking off nonstop. Anyway, let's see. The next email we have is from Byron. Not really a question. Just mentioned that some of this reminded him of Legacy of the Force. And I will also say the Swarm War. Come on with the Stealth X's uh, communicating with Force impressions, radio clicks. The only thing missing was the Shadow Bombs. Yes. 
No force. Well, they don't have shadow bombs. They do have their own kind of force weaponry where they use the lightsaber to turn on the uh, the vehicles, which I, I thought that was cool. I liked the vehicles quite a bit. And the long beam was a cool one as well. Hmm. It's not the Jedi vehicle, just the Republic one. Um, Simon has what he describes as a long question. Uh... So Simon's basically looking for advice on how to most efficiently collect mm. and buy or find and buy uh, all the Star Wars books. Uh, so he's asking how to kind of find a list of them and then how to find them. Yeah. Uh, the Delray timeline is actually, if you can just find the Delray timeline from Legends, that actually has basically all the books on it mm -hmm. uh, and the new Delray timeline from... The only thing you'll miss uh, is some of the, some of the, like the young reader books and stuff. Yeah. So it's probably like there's a, a hundred and seventy something between the legends and canon timeline, so that's probably a good place to start. And then you can start looking for like the young reader ones, mm -hmm. uh, and junior reader ones. Mm -hmm. uh, then if you want to get into comics, that those are really hard to find some of the older ones. Mm -hmm. But uh, once COVID is not a not a thing anymore, hopefully someday, uh, I do recommend starting by going to any local used bookstores because they are just repositories for like. 30 plus copies of dark force Rising. yeah yeah that and for some reason my local bookstore has like 16 copies of every book in the corellian trilogy yeah um, there were a lot of those the general rule that i seem to come across is that uh you will find an abundance of the middle of every trilogy <laughs> <laughs> star wars is interesting too because if you want to do like a there are people that try to do the full legend collection like, not just the books, but there's a lot of, like, obscure Legends media. Uh, like, stuff that was only printed in, like, one magazine or that's quasi-canon and stuff. So, yeah. I think there are a few YouTubers who do that. Um, so, I, I'd look into that. I'm not sure of any of them in particular. Uh, so, if you know, maybe give a content on this YouTube video or comment on the YouTube video. But, yeah, yeah. it can be fun. There's even... I, I saw once there's, like, the, the obscurity iceberg of, like, the deeper you go, the more obscure it gets for Legends stuff. And there's some... There's some stuff that's hard to find, but yeah. Thank you very much for the email. Yeah, uh, so we got a question from Adam. Stores, there's also sorry the uh, one other place that I'd recommend looking are the kind of used bookstore storefronts on Amazon. Uh, if you can't find them somewhere else, usually there will be used copies available on there, and you can get yeah. them very cheap. Uh, yep. I got a bunch of mine uh, from that and. Ethan is saying Marvel Unlimited has all the old Star Wars comics, so thank you, Ethan. Yeah, uh, that's that's how I how I read mine through Marvel Unlimited. There's yeah. also like the newspaper comics as well, which you've got to just you've got to buy physical copies of them, like the yeah. old newspaper weeklies, which are yeah, really like, good. Last year, I ordered about a hundred books that I was able to find, and I probably paid less than a dollar each. I paid more in shipping oh, nice. than I did for books. Uh, so if you can find them, some are cheap. Comic books usually are a bit more expensive. Honestly, though, with comic books, you can find them if you know where to look. If you look up... Listen, I'm not telling you to do this, but if, if, you, if, you, if you already own a copy of the comic book and you can't find it, and you look up read comic name free, you'll probably find it. It's almost yeah, I, I mean more for like collecting a physical yeah, yeah, no, I know. copy purposes. For sure. But if for you sure. just want to read them, there's definitely... Uh, there's definitely ebooks available for everyone to buy an ebook. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Adam basically asked the question of, do you think it's possible? Uh, 
or would they have continued the Dawn of the Jedi material? Um, and yeah, I think they were going to. I'm not sure. I don't know much about that era, but I assume there was more story to tell. Yeah, I don't think that would have replaced any of the bigger projects uh, or would have taken priority over the bigger projects. Because like, the big reason that the that the uh, canon reboot happened with Disney is because the sequel trilogy was going to be made and that was going to happen regardless because mm. uh, it seemed like those movies were getting made regardless. So something would have happened and that kind of threw off some of what was happening. Because there was going to be, what was it, the uh, Sword of the Jedi series afterwards yeah. and there was going to be the earlier stuff. Uh, so maybe we'll get back and maybe even some of that stuff. The earlier you go, the more of a chance you have of stuff being wholesale reincorporated. Because uh, mm -hmm. we keep getting nods to like Tor especially and then with Tor brought in, uh, some of that might bring in like KOTOR and KOTOR 2, which might also bring in Tales of the Jedi and all that. Because they don't seem to want to do the higher profile media in that period, so they may as well keep it in, but that's yep. just my opinion, man. Yep. Uh, Caesar asks, hi, Eck, just Eck in particular. Sorry, Corey. Uh, he wants to know how Gideon beat Bo-Katan. I'm going to guess that Gideon probably didn't beat Bo-Katan in direct battle. I think they probably just uh, invaded and, and took the Darksaber. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just reading this uh, message from Kim. I really want to know for the next podcast what you guys would like to be integrated to Star Wars here if the Yuzhan Vong were an integral part in order to connect to the EU. Um, so basically she's asking, would we like the Yuzhan Vong to be recanonized and how? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know that I necessarily would. I'd like having another big threat later after the sequel trilogy period, after the New Republic gets reestablished would be cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it necessarily has to be the Yuzhan Vong. My mm -hmm. attachment to the Yuzon Vong is more the NJO and the stories that it had more than the mm -hmm. Vong themselves. Yeah. So uh, to the extent that they were fun as villains, I think their story was already told there. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be just as happy to have something new show up. I like the extra galactic threats. I think that's a fun yeah. idea. Keep that element. Um, there's lots of mystery there. The good thing about the Yuzhan Vong that Canon hasn't nailed yet, maybe hasn't even tried to nail, is that they commit to a they they introduce a scary alien force and they commit to it, and like Canon has a few times like introduced some alien, whether it's the Nihil, which isn't a race but a a group of people, or the ones from the Thrawn books, and they haven't really stuck with them yet. So that's kind of the main thing that I would like to see is a, yeah. a non-imperial enemy. Um, I don't like the non-force stuff for the Yuzhan Vong. I'm not super attached to the biotechnology, really. Um, I like the idea of a faction that's been widely duped by their leader and can thus partially be redeemed, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember what I was going to say, and I was thinking about it three seconds ago. So yeah. I uh, Oh. The Grisks, much like, much like, the story group forgot about the Grisks. I <laughs> yeah. forgot about. Yeah, I forgot their name too. That's why I just said the enemies from the Thrawn, the Thrawn books. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, like, I really thought the Grisks were going to be a bigger thing than they ended up being, and maybe they're still going to be a big thing. I don't know. Just poor Timothy Zahn. The man's got nothing to work with. He's got two days in Rebels, and they're like, make six books out of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, yeah, <it's> okay. <laughs> Uh, new Ooh. aliens. 
So uh, did you read the uh, the tweets from the Delray guy about the uh, the development of the timeline? Uh, like the actual timeline in the book, you mean? Yeah. Like, I thought it was a pretty interesting kind of laying out what their thought process is for how they kind of laid out the, the start of the books. Uh, I can't remember. I don't have a link to it. But mm. there was the talk in that about like how technically the original Thrawn or the Thrawn trilogy in the Galactic Civil War period, the new one, is mm-hmm. is technically not a trilogy. It's three mm-hmm. standalone books. Yeah. Uh, so he could have yeah. just done whatever he wanted in each one. It's his fault. Yeah. I mean, it is true. Like, it's it's true. And it's also true that the first one's good and the other ones kind of suck. Yeah. But, uh, it's not Timothy Zahn's fault either. The man, <laughs> the man's milking a stone here for... <laughs> it's like, I got nothing! <laughs> At least, yeah, he has more freedom with the, uh, with the Chaos Rising or the Ascendancy trilogy. And I really enjoyed the first book, so... I'm... He does, but I still just feel like nothing he writes is going to be picked up anywhere else. He definitely seems to want that, anyways. Yeah, but like, it's just like now well, he he's got Vision a lot less room to play and... with because he's not like the big dog anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? But like when he wrote Vision of the Future and Spectre of the Past, it's basically here's two five hundred page books about how everyone else got my shit wrong. <laughs> yeah, and those are books where, like, besides for Luke, like not a lot actually happens. No, <laughs> especially like at the end of the day, it's like there's almost a big war, but there's not. It's like yeah, Thrawn is rumored to return but he doesn't <laughs> yeah so like, we will uh we'll have so good, more though. question and answer periods uh in the future sorry yeah. we, there's a huge amount of of emails that we weren't able to get to we will do our best to get to as many as possible that is tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com our next episode is going to be uh depending on scheduling we're either going to be doing the uh astronomy episode with evil bob the bob uh Mm -hmm. next week so that'd be the 21st or we'll be doing it the 28th uh so we're gonna just figure out the scheduling if you have any questions for that about star wars and physics you can please send them calf transmissions at gmail.com dot com dot com Uh, that's our other email address Mm -hmm. uh so yeah any questions you have there the sooner the better so that bob has a chance to compile any materials he needs to man's gotta rub his brain cells together uh so yeah any other final thoughts before we go and get drunk, play Fall Guys, and Beerio Kart? I love my life. That's about it. Are your feet covered in dog puke? No, because she puked, like, under the table, and it was, like, it was pretty It was pretty solid, so I like I, I picked it up, and I'm, I'm just going to go Swiffer before. Like, <laughs> like, I cleaned it all up, but there's, like, still the residual, like, slime there that I want gone, so. Oh, residual slime is a good name. For a band or something? For a band, for an Xbox Charlie. Like gamer tag, like XX420 residual slime. Next time XX somebody asks you, chat, next time someone asks you how to, how your date went, if you went on a date last night, just oh respond God. with residual slime. Okay. Well, with that, thank you for listening, everyone. Next week, we'll be back on the Eckhart's Ladder channel. And Hooray! Available wherever podcasts are sold. That's true. Goodbye.